Some of you don't know the name, but that's that guy from the Hunger Games. Transformers, the last night. Beauty and the Beast and Spotlight. Writer and director of Hello and welcome back to Standing Stanley Tucci here in 2022. New year, new Tooch. Just kidding, it's the same old Tooch we know and love. Uh, <laughs> we're in with a weird one for our, for our first one back. Yeah, well, it's a it's it's sort of a continuation or a follow up to our review of In the Soup uh, <laughs> from about seven months back. Uh, it's the same writer director, Alexandre Rockwell. Um, I'd say this is probably his lesser known feature uh, as yeah. compared to In the Soup. Uh, it's somebody to love, and it's, yeah, it's the story of a young dancer trying to make it in L.A., mm-hmm. uh, you know, a story that's been told a, a billion times, but uh, through the specific lens of trying to make it, like, Fellini, uh, you know, French New Wave mixed with Hollywood sensibilities. Um, <laughs> and I think that the title... Somebody to Love, which is as generic as a title could be, is yeah. so so ill-fitting that I, I feel like it has to be, you know, a studio mandate or something. Yeah. And represents, to some extent, uh, the director, Alexandre Rockwell, being usurped into the mainstream or, or forced into a producer's demands, uh, which is sad. Right. And, you know, in in today's landscape, it makes Googling it annoying. (laughs) You just (laughs) end up with Queen. Because it's a generic, it's a generic title and it has nothing to do with Queen. It has nothing to do. Nothing. (laughs) With, uh, it it doesn't even really have anything to do with finding somebody to love. Yeah, I mean, it's really. It's also hard to find. Like, we couldn't find it on streaming online anywhere. We had to buy the DVD for this. Yeah, yeah, off of one of those, you know, those <laughs> places where they hoard, you know, massive amounts of DVDs and then sell them online. All the liquidated um, blockbusters from 10 years back. Exactly. I mean, I'm surprised this even got uh, a DVD release, if I'm being honest. Really? You know, 1994. But, like, but all the people who are in it, David, you know? That's, that's <laughs> I think, the saving grace of this movie. Of course. I mean, this is, I would say, a, um, you know, a a fantastic cast. It's strange. It feels like it doesn't really have a plot. It just sort of feels like things keep happening, you know? We we said a lot of the same things within The Soup, where he explicitly, you know, says, like, I'm trying to be Godard here, you know? Um, And then in this one, he has all of these explicit call-outs to Fellini, so... I mean, obviously, Alexandre Rockwell, huge French New Wave fan, um, trying to put his own spin on it. You're saying this. It is not so obvious to me who knows nothing about French New Wave. (laughs) Right. But but he he says, it's like in the credits, I think, that it's like loosely based on um, Road to uh, Calibria, I think is the name of the film. And he says, like, uh, this movie's dedicated to... um, (laughs) <laughs> to, to uh, what, what is Fellini's first name? Hold on, I forget his name. To Federico, like he says that the the film Federico is and to Giulietta. Federico and Giulietta, um, Giulietta being his, you know, his muse, his the the actress who starred in many of Fellini's films, La Strada, mm-hmm. and um, 
uh, other ones. I'm not really a Fellini <laughs> expert by any means, but you know, I, I've seen one of his films, <laughs> and it was an eight and a half. So right. you know, I consider that to be. You got <laughs> the deep cuts. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, but La Strada is actually relevant because he also cast an actor who played Zampano in La Strada. Anthony Quinn is cast as Emilio, the um, the mob boss in this movie. Which, it's kind of exciting to have Tucci be in a movie where he isn't the part of the mob in any way. And, and the mob is in it. I think that's interesting. Yeah, I guess that's true. I guess that's true. He is not connected to the mob in this one. Right. He's still a <laughs> slimy agent, you know, slime oh, and just, yeah. just billows out of every pore in this performance. Oh my gosh. Um, and it really, it reminds me a lot of his slimy character in uh, the last movie that he co-starred with Rosie Perez, mm. um, which was uh, It Could Happen to You. Which is the Nicolas Cage romance that, uh, yeah, the Nicholas yeah. Cage rom-com about tipping your waitress. <laughs> the the copaganda. <laughs> right, the copaganda movie. But this one, it's uh, it's not copaganda. It is simply the tragedy of poverty and wanting fame and fortune in L.A. Yeah. And it's about the American dream as told through the storytelling tropes of the French New Wave. Yeah, I suppose. Yes. Um, should we dig into it? Yeah, let's, let's do, do it. Let's do it. So we basically start with the tooch right off the bat. You know, there's an opening credit yeah. sequence of Rosie Perez waiting at a bus stop. Uh, and then who should appear but the tooch himself oozing, disgusting, <laughs> pervert <laughs> yeah, juice <slime>. everywhere. Um, <laughs> and basically proceeds to, you know, he's supposed to be like an agent. Uh, who's gonna get her some gigs, but he gets her terrible headshots, and she's upset, and then he just tries to feel her up so that she'll he'll get yeah. a good one. I think I think to break down the scene even further, like yeah. he he does this great you know th- this great like flipping between different ways of trying to trick her. Mm. You know, at first he tries telling her that the headshots that he got her are supposed to be blurry because they put Vaseline on the lens, yeah, which is a real technique you know that you use in like. I don't know, like Christmas specials or something to give everything like kind of a nostalgic feel. Right. You wouldn't use it for your headshots where you're supposed to be clear. Um, Right. And so he does that. He tries to play it off and then immediately flips to anger, like fury at the person that he got to take free headshots. Right. Right. Um, And pretending to feel like guilty about it. Which I think is great. Yeah, um, and and he plays it off wonderfully, you know, like... Right. And you can tell that he's, uh, like, the character is pretending this anger, yeah. but the two sells it. But it's also believable it. in, in and of itself. Yeah. It's, it's basically like, you know, you can tell just in that scene that his whole job is stringing along hundreds of girls... Who you know are you know fresh off of the the, the plane to <laughs> to L.A. from from New York or from wherever the of America from Chicago from wherever trying to make it be a big shot this mm-hmm. that kind of thing and that all he really does is call people and tell them <laughs> uh, I'll be sending over three ladies today <laughs> for you to also 
uh, be abusive and dismissive of. Right. And he's just he's just a middleman in this horrible system of L.A. workaday acting. Yeah. So you know, of course, Rosie Perez kicks him in the balls and leaves. <laughs> as, yeah. As she should. Right after he after he tries to feel her up. Yeah. Um, and we see what her day job is, she, or her night job, I suppose. I don't know. Sure. Um, she works as a taxi dancer, which is sort of yeah. an outdated uh, thing where basically men can pay to dance with women at a club. Uh, so not quite like stripping, but similar. Right. In in Knights of Kiberia, it's it's about a prostitute, mm. and so he didn't want to do something I think so cliche, and I think also the idea of a prostitute who was also an aspiring actress right. maybe felt a little bit passe. Yeah, and just like kind of troubling to watch, like uncomfortable to watch. Mm. So um, he he went with she's a. Um, you know, she's a taxi dancer at this mm-hmm. club, which he, he discovered that uh, it was still pretty common in, like, the the more, like, the, the Latino Latin neighborhoods yeah. of L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, those kind of clubs still existed. It was, like, in this one, it's, like, it's a dollar for a ticket to go dance. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, that's interesting. Yeah. That that's her job instead. Of, and that's the replacement for her being an a actual... A stripper. Uh, sex worker right yeah yeah yeah. um so and this is where we're introduced to emilio yes our we're introduced to a lot of people here um yeah so i think first we're introduced to her her main squeeze her her boyfriend harry played by harvey Harvey Keitel. keitel Which, I mean, I love Harvey Keitel. (laughs) This, I don't think this performance really highlights his best talents. It's a very subdued performance. Yeah. Um, But we do get to see him in like a lead, like a a, a thong, man thong or something. It's, it's, yeah, it's like a... Tarzan outfit. It's just cheetah print underwear. Right, cheetah print underwear, that's what I mean. And then we also get to see him in a gorilla suit, so... The gorilla suit scene was my favorite thing in this whole movie. I, that one, that to me is extremely Fellini-ish. I... Um, with I, my limited understanding of the French New Wave. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll, 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 we'll get right to, to that very quickly. But Harry is also a failing actor. And he's the one who set uh, uh, Mercedes, is Rosie Perez's character, mm-hmm. up with Tucci as this, you know, this slimeball producer. Yeah. Um... And, you know, he's also had to deal with his share of perverted slime balls himself. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, one of his very first lines is, I've sucked a little dick to get where I am today. And I think, you know, it's lines like that that I think make this more than just another weird indie film on Tucci's, like, on, on Tucci's resume. You know, I think it is getting at something, mm. something real about the LA scene in the same way that like in the soup with it's like exaggeration got to something real about living in New York, something real about trying to be a filmmaker, I Mm. guess like working with these producers who are just actual crazy people and criminals, you know? (laughs) Right. Oh, uh, there's a couple other characters who are introduced in, uh, in the club. 
including Steve Buscemi, who plays uh, a, a... It's not I, clear if, if she's a drag queen or if she's uh, a, a trans woman. I believe she's a trans woman. And right. the, my only thought for why that is is because later in the film, Rosie Perez is like fake dubbing lines over a TV program that she's watching. Um, yeah. And she's saying like, oh, you know, there's a difference between like a man dressed up as a woman and like she uses the term transvestite, which was the term at the right. time. Um, yeah, it's, and, it's the 90s. Yeah. It's the 90s, uh, people. Yeah, that was the term. Um, and so, no, you I mean, know, I, I can... I don't think that this is, like, a hyper-accurate depiction no. of what it is like to be trans in L.A. in no. the 90s. No, But it is amazing makeup work on Buscemi. And he looks great, and I honestly loved. Fantastic. I loved him in this role. Like, yeah, no, he, I think he did a fantastic he, job. And and you know, his character is not really like belittled at all for being no, not trans. played for laughs in any way. Yeah, like she is just another person who is there and works right. this job. You know, and, and and also notably absent. Like a lot of times with trans characters in the '90s, like in progressive like indie type films like mm-hmm. they'll be very bawdy and right. like, make a lot of jokes about like dicks and stuff yeah and and uh Buscemi doesn't do that either no, you know it's she's... just played very much like I mean it's like a gay best friend kind of role yeah but like but in like a very sweet kind of way yeah um so not only are we introduced to Steve Buscemi's character but we're also introduced to sort of the competing love interest with uh, Harry Harrelson. Um, we've, <laughs> we've got uh, Michael DiLorenzo as Ernesto. And he's sort yeah. of this, like, lovesick kid, you know, like, never had a girlfriend before, um, doesn't really talk much, very shy, not good at dancing. Um, yeah. You know, his friends sort of, like, push him to dance with Mercedes um, and... You know, he's terrible at it. He steps on her foot. Right. He doesn't dance, but he just likes her as a girl. But, you know, yeah. I think importantly, you know, like she is not a sex worker in this one. She's just a dancer. She yeah. dances provocatively, but, you know, like. Just dancing. It's, it's, it's as if he's fallen in love with a sex worker, but it's not. He's not even getting sex out of it. So, <laughs> so it's beca- it appears a little more wholesome, maybe. I don't know. Or I don't know. More, it's it's true super, love maybe it's know. super weird regardless it is weird like he's a weird guy and it's presented that way as well yeah um but we find out that he's a, a day laborer he initially is like digging graves for people he mm-hmm. lives like out in the desert and i do uh, like this sleeps shot in a bathtub <laughs> i do like the wake up everybody shot like Right, when we first that's the one where Sam Rockwell briefly appears. Yes, as, like Polish guy. <laughs> um, if you recall, Sam Rockwell also appeared in in the, the soup. soup? Oh, you remember, well, he was the cognitively disabled child of the love interest. That's right. I forgot that. I forgot that. Jeez. Yeah, and still, I believe they claim that despite both being named Rockwell, Alexander, the director and Sam Rockwell have no relation. <laughs> Who knows? They claim. They claim. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think, you know, Ernesto, he, he kind of is like a stereotype, you know, as this like hopeless day laborer who then eventually gets mixed up with the mob and, right. and organized crime. 
but uh, but he is a likable stereotype. <laughs> I don't think he's, I don't think he's um, like a a bad sort of deuteragonist to follow. No, he's he's like a sad little puppy, you know. Yeah, he's 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 the poor little meow meow to use Tumblr <laughs> lingo. Yeah. <laughs> um. So then throughout, like, the movie, I think there, there's a lot of very disconnected scenes of Rosie Perez trying to make it as an actress. Yeah. And also her home life where she's portraying herself as, like, an aspiring actress and doing mm-hmm. what she thinks aspiring actresses are supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like you said, she, she spends a lot of time dubbing over movies that she's watching on tv by herself right and she also spends a lot of time running lines for you know random plays that she's not in with Mm -hmm. herself and uh as in the cover of the dvd that we got she walks around with books on her head to you know improve her posture you know these are things that like successful actresses don't do but she thinks that's what if she does them she'll be a successful actress which i think you know, it's supposed to be kind of tragic, but also kind of endearing. Yeah. Right. Like, you can tell that she's she's working hard. And, you know, we get a few scenes of her um, showing up to casting calls where it's like, you know, it seems like it's perfect for her. And then some tall, hot blonde gets called out of the line and the part goes to her. Right. But we don't actually, like, look deeply into what the role was anyway. Like, yeah. it's possible that she was just delude- deluding herself that... It, it was a role that needed somebody specific, you know? Mm. That, in general, she's probably going out for the roles that every woman in L.A. goes out for. And, right. that, you know, the struggle is just that there's really no way to get discovered like that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't have representation, and you don't have money, and you don't have connections of any kind, because you're just a girl from Brooklyn. Right. Queens, I don't know. Wherever she's supposed to be. I, I don't know if it's specifically said. Um, but yeah. And she, you know, mm-hmm. she she doesn't even have an apartment. She lives in like a motel. <laughs> you yeah. know? Um, so she's she's really trying <laughs> to just yeah. get by. Um meanwhile, Ernesto, he while he's digging a, a grave, he finds somebody hiding in <laughs> one of the freshly dug graves. Which turns out to be uh, Emilio. Yes. The who's who like says he like sees some of himself in uh, in Ernesto, and uh, and says like you don't want to be you know digging graves your whole life. You're a good kid. You know you should you should ask me for a job. Come visit me at the exotic fish market. <laughs> right. So you know you're meant to think like exotic fish, huh? That's a kind of a quirky character to appear in this. Right. But no, he's actually it's the mob. Um, the head of a of a mob family. Yeah. Um and uh he welcomes Ernesto in and they form a professional relationship. And suddenly uh, Ernesto's got money to throw around. So he right. he decides to take uh Mercedes out on a little date yeah. But he takes her shopping, uh, you know, he... Right, goes... but he hasn't told her that he's, like, making money with this new job no. either. So, you know, she's just thinking, like, 
Oh, this guy's fancy. You know, he stole money or something for her. And that he's, she's like, that's so sweet. <laughs> you know, at one point, he gives her a pair of sunglasses. And she says, did you steal these glasses for me? And he's like, yeah. yeah. Even though he actually paid for them. <laughs> um, and she's like, oh, that's so nice. <laughs> Which, you know, that's that's kind of delightful. Yeah. Um, there's also all these shots of, like, street performers in L.A., which I think is kind of supposed to evoke the sort of carnivalesque Fellini thing. I'm saying this just based off La Strada. But, <laughs> but, um, but I, I, I don't know. Like, there's, there's definitely this connection between her as a struggling actress and these street performers as just people performing. Right, and sort of her... For, dis- you know, change on the street. Dismissiveness of them, too. Uh, at yeah. least initially, where, you know, it's like, she's like, ugh, Venice Beach, like, I don't want to be here. I'm I'm not just another tourist attraction, you know, I'm better than this. Like, I, I'm going to make it. I think that's sort of yeah. the attitude that she, she has. Um, there's another scene that I want to remark on uh, where we're still getting introduced to Ernesto and he buys a beer... And then drinks half of it, and then leaves it. And then the bartender, who's played by um, played by Paul Herman, who you might know from some of the David O'Sullivan uh, movies like uh, American Hustle and Silver Linings Playbook. Oh, okay. Um, he he like, you know, he like tries to charge him for a new beer by like taking the beer <laughs> and, and pouring then, it uh, out. And then he takes the beer and pours out half of it and says, what, did you drink about half the beer? All right. And then he pours out half a beer and then gives it to him. So it's it's just him being, you a know. petty asshole. Petty asshole, yeah. Which is a great, you know, he just has one of those faces with his, like, <laughs> you know, his teeth. just They just scream petty asshole to me. I don't know why. But it, it works very well. Uh, um, there's another <laughs> bartender. Oh Played by a notable actor that you might recognize. Which bartender? So they go to this this fancy restaurant. Ernesto is taking uh, Mercedes out to go get a like a lobster dinner at this restaurant. Oh, oh, and yes. And there's a blink and you miss it cameo no, yeah. by Quentin Tarantino. Tarantino. Yep. Which in you know in retrospect is like on all the advertisements for everything like Quentin Tarantino's in this picture where he just like is on set with like an awful goatee improvises a couple lines as a bartender and then it cuts away and they're all terrible he's like you know playing some like weird like libertarian pickup artist bartender (laughs) yeah I mean he's playing the Quentin Tarantino character you know he's the same character in like Pulp Fiction or you know any of the other movies where he makes an appearance (laughs) Um, but, but I think it's, it's, you know, it's remarkable that he's there because it's such a big part of the marketing for this movie. Mm. And, uh, and also because, uh, the director, Alexandre Rockwell works with him on four rooms, Mm. uh, that collaborative short film collection slash feature film that came out a few years later. Okay. So they're friends. They're friends. They're buds. They're buds. Um. (laughs) I mean, I feel like that's probably how he got most of these cast members, you know? like By knowing Quentin Tarantino? No, 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 no. It not... was the success of In the Soup? No, I'm saying it's it's him, like, he just took His people buds. from In the Soup that he was buds with and was like, all right, let's make another movie. 
you know? Sure, yeah, I don't know. I, I Like, it seems like he's drawing a lot on this, like, New York to L.A. casting pool, you know? Yeah. All of these people have done work in New York and L.A. by this point. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he discovered Tucci and Buscemi, arguably. You yeah, know, he was one of the first directors to cast either of them. And, in fact, both of them. And, but in fact, both of them in the same picture. Yeah, so they're at the restaurant. Um, there's a, a waiter who's really rude to them because you can tell they're not really rich or whatever. Um, and then, uh, you know... Rosie Perez decides, oh, I need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and who should see, who should she see but the one, the only, Tucci. Stanley Tucci. <laughs> so he's back and he's like screaming into a phone at somebody. Like, he, you know, he has other irons in the fire. He really doesn't care about this one girl he tried to grope. Right. And he's tried to grope a million girls. to apologize girls. to him, like, repair the relationship after kicking him in the balls. And it's like, you know, like, who cares? Right. I, like, girls girls probably kick him in the balls, like, six times a day. Right. Exactly. So, you know, she's knocking on the door and he's like, what? Who Who are you? What do you want? <laughs> and she's like, I'm the... I'm the girl that kicked you. And, you know, he, like, freaks out. And is like, get the heck away from me. Like, no thank right. you. And he's like, she says, like, why don't I buy you a lobster dinner? <laughs> and he says, she, he says, well, why don't you just give me the money? I'll cook the lobster myself. <laughs> you know, he's like, he's so one-track mind. And that one track is money in this scene. But or like, taking advantage of people. Or taking you know? advantage of women. Like, those are the only things he cares about. Right, and she's already proven to him that she's not about to be taken advantage of. So he's like, you're off You're off the menu. Like, goodbye. Yeah. Just give me the money. And he does his, his high-pitched 2G voice. He's like, okay, okay, your apology is accepted. What do you want me to do? <laughs> um, and I love That's his so high-pitched good. 2G voice. And uh, he doesn't do it quite as much anymore. I think no. it's more of a, a young man's thing. Now he I... does his gravelly, deep <laughs> daddy voice more but like <laughs> he he used to do the high-pitched comedy guys and whatever he happened did. to that I, he just hasn't <laughs> been in a lot of comedies recently yep you know he's he's going oscar bait he wants his oscar david he needs it <laughs> i mean i would agree that he deserves one but you know right. that's that's what he's working for um okay so uh, who should show up at the restaurant but Harry, her boyfriend. And yeah. he somehow knows that that's where she is on a date. Uh, Maybe she heard from somebody at the club. That's you know? true. That's true. It's very possible. Um, and so, you know, he comes and finds her and says, Hey, my wife and the kids are gone for the weekend. Come hang out at my place. And she's like... And I got cast in a movie. And she's like, oh, wow, so exciting, so great. Yes, let's do it. And then they make out and just leave poor uh, Ernesto at the (laughs) restaurant. Um, This poor, poor boy. And, like, to be fair, like, Mercedes has said, like, several times at this point, like... I have a boyfriend. I have a boyfriend. I'm not interested in you that way. That's very sweet. Um, Um... Yeah, so they they go back to Harvey Keitel's house, and they're hanging out, and, you know, he's, uh, he's, they're making plans, he's like, I'm so unhappy, 
I, I wish I could just run away to New York. And, she, you know, Rosie Perez is like, run away to New York. Let's do it. Like, why not? <laughs> they ran away from New York. Now they want to make a new start back in New, new York. York. Right. And he's like, ah, I'd have to buy my wife off for $10,000. Then she'd sign the divorce papers, you know? Um, <laughs> meanwhile, you know, he lives in this great house and, like, yeah. like clearly has a fine life. Um, yeah. But he, he still works in a, you know, in the bar. In does the club, he work there? Least. I'm pretty sure he does. I think he I just know. hangs out there. He I just hangs out there and picks up women yeah. to, uh, to take advantage of. He's just a shitty guy. Really yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, you know, he they're making these plans. And, of course, as they agree to run away to New York together, oh, who should come home but the wife? And so, you know, yeah. he he's got to kick her out. And, you know, she doesn't even have her purse with her. Um, and yeah. She, and so she's really, like, more upset at the treatment of her in that yeah. moment than like you know she knew that he was uh yeah he was he had know, a cheating wife. on his wife with her yeah you know, she knew she was a side side piece <laughs> yes um and so you know she's wandering the streets alone all bummed because she thought it was going to be this great night and it's really not and then she witnesses a car crash <laughs> And the victim or perpetrator, question mark, of the car crash is this, like, old guy who's dressed yeah. pretty nicely and he's got, like, a fancy car. Um, and he's, like, clearly wasted. Uh, mm. And she's talking to him and he's like, I make movies. What do you think? And she's like, oh, yeah, you make movies? Would you put me in a movie? And, you know, he's like, of course I'll put you in a movie. I honestly, I loved this character. He was, like, yeah. so, like, bombastic and, like, just, like, sarcastic and, like, weird. I don't I don't know what his deal was. Um, but, oh, man, he was great. He's great. Uh, but then he dies. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't it just the way... Ain't it just you know. the way? It's sort of that classic, like, I'm going to make it, where it's like, you almost think you're going to make it. And then, of course, the guy right. dies. Um, yeah. And, you know, and it's especially ironic because he, she kept saying, like, mister, let me call you an ambulance. And he's like, no, let's pop another bottle of champagne and we'll call an ambulance later. I've got a phone in the car. <laughs> Don't worry about it. And then, of course, he just dies. Um <laughs> So, you know, she's pretty traumatized by that, wanders back home, and who should be there but Ernesto waiting for her. Um, yeah. And he's, he's you know, understandably pissed off at being left in the in the dust at the restaurant. Um, right. And she's just kind and of she's, like... <laughs> I've had a rough night. <laughs> I've had a lot of hopes and dreams smashed in yeah. one night. I forget, is this where he goes in and hangs out with her, or is that a different time? Goes in, well, he does it twice. Okay. So, it's it's not right here. Okay. But in an earlier scene, he did get so drunk that he ended up staying the night at her place, and he sleeps in the bathtub mm -hmm. in that one, and appreciates her acting, you know, her, her acting to herself. Right. Now, um, later in the night, I believe it's this... It's right after this. You have, like... First, you have this scene with Steve Buscemi and, like, 
the bird mm-hmm. scene. The scene with the bird. I love it. This is the be- one of the best scenes. It's so tender. <laughs> it is. It's and so tender. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think it's really good. And then after that, um, you have the scene where Ernesto is, like, belligerent and drunk and, like, buying up all the tickets in the place. Like, but I'll only give them to... Uh, to Mercedes. Mercedes. It's all about Mercedes. And so then she, like, drags him out of the club. Mm-hmm. And he, like, tries to beat up the, these people who are, like, cat No, no, her. that was earlier. He brings her, like, a oh. kitten. And he's like, do you want a kitten? It's a present. She's like, I don't have any fucking money. How am I going to take care of a cat? <laughs> like, no. Right. Um, but then there's, like, guys who are following her out of the club and bothering her, and he decides to beat them up, and he does a bad job of it, and she has to help right. him. Um, and that's when he goes home and and watches her act. And it's after that that he gets right. her name tattooed on his chest with two roses. Right. <laughs> and, like, all of his friends are like, yeah, looks great, go, buddy, go. Right, so all that's the earlier scene. The, this yeah. scene is the one where he comes home with her, and he's going to sleep in the bathtub, but then he ends up sleeping in her bed, and they end up making love. Yeah. Um, he kind of creeps on her while she's sleeping, sleeping. and then she's just like, eh. Sure, know, why not? I'm into it. <laughs> um, yeah. That, that, I will say, an extra creepy moment from Ernesto. <laughs> like, Right, well, I, I think you need some kind of confirmation that they're... That, that he's not just, like, pining after her, like, in order for him to make that final decision to go. Right. And ultimately do a mob hit to get yeah. $10,000 for her. Right. So, like, right. he so needs that's... some kind of catharsis, but I think just, like, randomly having them have sex is not <laughs> the best way to do that. It feels very Hollywood, and it's not that right. good. <laughs> I, yeah, it's not. Um... So after they have sex, you know, he's like, I'll get anything for you. Any, any dream you have. And, you know, instead of saying, right. Instead of saying like, oh, I'd love to be an actress in a movie. She's like, oh, I need $10,000 because she still just wants to run away with her shitty, like cheating boyfriends. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and so Ernesto's like, okay, great. And he goes to his mob boss and is like. I need $10,000. And he's like, all right, I can give okay. you $10,000. You're going to have to kill somebody. And Ernesto's yeah. like, sounds great. <laughs> right. So he's got to do a mob hit. He is not told anything about why. And we, the yeah. audience, never find out why, which yeah. I think is good. Yeah. And it's just like a guy in a porno theater. Um, who who you know, we saw think, yelling at yeah. the mob boss who Ernesto works for previously. So we've seen him, like, once right. before. But we don't know what the argument was no. and who, which territory is being... It's not that kind of movie. You yeah. Know? Um, but he goes in, he, you know, gets in past uh, the porno theater guy, who I think was also in In the Soup in some scene. I can't remember. But um, he ends up, you know, shooting a guy just in the in the theater, like, while a film is going on. And then in the foreground of the scene, there's this guy who, 
like paid a sex worker to come watch the film with him and he's like explaining how great the filmmaking is and how like oh the composition oh the acting in this oh it's phenomenal mm-hmm. and i just thought that was a funny little aside <laughs> yeah and then he, you know he and the woman that he's with um you know he's like all right quick let's let's go for a cookie in the bathroom and i guarantee you we won't miss this thing we won't miss that thing like he's he's seen the movie many times before um, and he's yeah. like, oh, we got to be back for, like, the weird tentacle threesome and, or whatever he <laughs> says. Um, <laughs> sounds like there's some wild stuff going on in the porno. Yeah. Um, so, so he kills somebody in the bathroom. Yeah. And then later and, on, he gives the $10,000 to Mercedes in a paper bag. Mm-hmm. And uh, he gets shot right then and there by Santa Claus. Who we did see a Santa Claus in the bathroom at the porno. So is it the same Santa Claus? Yeah. Okay. It's a uh, it's a Christmas movie. <laughs> Chris Chibnall would count it as a Christmas movie. <laughs> so it's the tragedy of everything. It's you know he he loved this girl or did he really love her? But he gave his life for her to have her dream, but she can't really take it. You know. The money is not going to be hers. You know, no one's going to let her walk away with that $10,000. But they do. Uh, He puts it in her bag while she's in the bathroom. And then she walks out of there with her bag. I think she has the $10,000. All right. Maybe she does get away with it. I don't know. I just feel like $10,000 is a lot of money for the mob to overlook. Okay, so she's got the ten thousand dollars, and uh, but she lost. But she doesn't. This person who truly, truly loved her, maybe question mark. I don't know. Yeah, um, but I, I don't know if she knows that she has the ten thousand dollars at the end of the movie, but she does. Okay, you know. Okay, well, it's not important what happens after the movie ends because the last <laughs> shot is just she's sitting, she's sitting on a bench at the beach. There's Back angelic sort of music playing. It's a very spiritual it's, sort of it's, thing. It's Enya. They've got Enya playing. It's Enya. Yeah. Okay. It's Enya. But, uh, yeah, a bunch of kids sort of come around the corner. They're, like, following this drummer. I don't really know what this is. I mean, like, I was not in L.A. in the 90s. But I don't. I just don't know what is what it is that I'm looking at to describe it. But it's just a lot of kids sort of following a drummer, singing a song, and then they kind of surround Mercedes and sort of invite her into, like, a little parade. Yeah. And, you know, uh, there's a scene earlier when... So um, Mercedes and Ernesto go to Venice Beach earlier in the film, and he participates with the the street performers, and they sort of, like, lift him up, and it's like he's flying. And uh, that's sort of um, mirrored at this last scene where Mercedes is lifted up and is sort of being, you know, can see all around her and is being looked at by these happy, cheering people. And, you know, it's almost a sort of fame. It's like fame. It's almost. It's almost. Um, so that is the movie. It, <laughs> you know. It's weird. Draw it, your own conclusions. Take of it what you will. I doubt that anyone who's listening to this like is going to see it if you haven't already and i don't know that i would recommend it i don't think it's as good as in the soup and i think in the soup is also kind of you know niche but right but i think it it definitely represents you know 
that Tucci, you know, he has his loyalties. He sticks to his roots. Yes. He is willing to put things on, you know, he's willing to put, you know, effort into roles in indie movies that might not be big hits in the hopes that they will take off. Yeah. Um, or just and, like, you know, you know that, right. that actor thing of like, if I'm going to be in this, I'm going to give him my all, you know? Like, right, right. Yeah. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's a role, a role is a role is a role. Mm-hmm. But, um, but, but I think he specifically goes towards, you know, Alexandre Rockwell because he sees him as an artist, somebody, a director he can talk to mm-hmm. about the art of filmmaking and the art of acting. Yeah. And, uh, and so I, I hope he enjoyed it. And, uh, that is all I have to say about somebody to love. Yeah. Well, uh, in lieu of Tucci news today, um, yeah. we, we've acquired... Um, we finally got a copy of Stanley Tucci's Taste My Life Through Food. And his food memoir. Yeah. Which we remarked on the uniqueness of that genre. Uh, it seems like so many episodes ago when we did a Tucci news on it being announced. Yeah. But it's out. And it's in the world. We have a copy. It's in the world. Um, and Is it I, a New York Times bestseller? I, 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 I didn't think it, check. I think it must be. We we must check right now. Six weeks on the t- on the New York Times bestseller list. Taste my life through food by Stanley Tucci. Incredible, so good. Six weeks. That's pretty impressive. I mean, I mean not really for a celebrity, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, um, and the book, like my review is like, I don't know if Tucci knows what parts of his life are interesting. No. Um, and I he think d- to he talks prove remarkably that. little about his acting career and focuses a lot on childhood and like married life. And and his description of his, his wife is also interesting to me because he has like a couple of sentences about, oh, I love my wife, I love my wife. But the food, mmm, mamma mia, is so good. <laughs> so like he has this this beautiful way of describing food. But he doesn't. He doesn't really describe like other things in his life with the same amount of detail. Yeah. Um, which maybe is why his memoir had to be through food. Maybe. And couldn't be just him recounting how he got his start in acting, how he, right. you know, found his way to L.A., what roles he responded to, the friends he's made, the you know, the the anecdotes. I wanted more anecdotes. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I mean, I think this, this one short paragraph from his introduction kind of sums it up. Uh, my love of food and all that it encompasses only continues to grow every year. It's led me to write cookbooks, become involved in food related charities, make documentary series, and is ultimately what brought my wife Felicity and me together. As it is, it's fair to say that I now probably spend more time thinking about and focusing on food than I do on acting. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's true as is evidenced by some of my recent performances right <laughs> um but yeah so i i think beyond that that small segment we do want to just read the first uh the first it's a little teleplay he's written yeah <laughs> It's it's, like it's sort first... of like a, like you know a first draft of a script for maybe the sequel to or the prequel to Big Night? I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's funny, though. Um, it's a little scene that he concocted, and I'll be playing the role of young Tooch. And I'll be playing his mother. <laughs> My mother and I are sitting on the floor of our small living room. I'm around six years old. I'm playing with a set of blocks, and my mother is ironing. The TV is tuned to a cooking show. 
What is she doing? She's cooking. What? She's cooking. I know. I mean, what is she cooking? Oh, she's cooking a duck. A duck? Yup. From a pond? Guess so. I don't know. I am silent. I build, she irons. How are you feeling? I think better. She feels my forehead. Well, I think your fever's gone down. Will I have to go to school tomorrow? We'll see. A silence as we watch the TV. Are you hungry? I nod. What would you like? I don't know. A sandwich? I offer no response. Would you like a sandwich? Um... How about a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Um, yeah. My mother raises her eyebrows. I notice. Yes, please. Okay, when the show is over in ten minutes, I will make you a sandwich. But I'm hungry now. My mother just looks at me, eyebrows raised even higher. I go back to my blocks. Do you remember that show when she made crepes? What? Crepes, those pancakes. Um... That I make sometimes? I don't know. (laughs) Well, anyway, do you want to help me make them this weekend? Um, sure. A beat. (laughs) Does it really say a beat? Yes, it does say a beat. (laughs) (laughs) He writes beats into his book, into his novel. Insane. Into his memoirs. Why is she cooking a duck? I guess she likes ducks. A silence. We watch the television. He has to write in every silence. He does. Do you like duck? Um, I've never really had it. A beat. Do I like duck? I don't know, do you? Have I had it? No. Then I probably don't like it. You can't know if you don't like something if you haven't had it. You have to try it. You have to try everything. Hmm, maybe later. Someday, when I'm older, maybe. I watch the TV. My mother looks at me and can't help but smile. A silence. The show ends, and we go to the kitchen. She makes a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for me, which I eat ravenously. She watches. Wow, you were hungry. I nod with a mouthful of food and then speak, mouth still full. What are we having for dinner? No, no, you gotta do it with a mouthful. <laughs> I can't do that. No, you nailed it. Pork chops. Aw, no, I don't like pork chops. <sighs> My mother sighs. Well, why don't you go next door and see what the neighbors are having? I sigh dramatically. <sighs> Continue to eat my sandwich. My mother smiles and begins to clean the kitchen. So my choice to play young Tooch as old Tooch um, possibly hurt the experience of reading that for you, the listener. But I found it funny. <laughs> I think you did a great job. So that's I just think... a little bite of taste my life through food. That's that's how Stanley Tucci would script his childhood. Like, what? Yeah. Just a little amuse-bouche of, of Tucci's life. Just an hors d'oeuvre of his childhood. Yeah. Um, um, and, and a little we'll, nosh. We'll be hopefully coming back to taste and reading more excerpts yeah. uh, throughout, throughout as we continue to yeah. plow our way through the, the film. Yeah, definitely we got to read his take on Il Timpano when we do The uh, Big Night, which is coming up. I think it's two movies away. Uh, I think the next movie we we're doing might be Day Trippers. 
Oh. Uh, but don't quote me on that. So keep keep tuning in to Standing Stanley Tucci. Some of you don't know the name, but that's Bye. that guy from the Hunger Games. Transformers: The Last Night. Beauty and the Beast and Spotlight. Writer and director of Big Night. Tucci Gang. Tucci Gang. Tucci Gang.